Well, we have a uh, uh, a special treat in in our service here this morning. Uh, this week, um, I got a what did it start off with? I think it was a text, but then a phone call from uh, Jimmy Pico, and um, he says, "God's telling me I need to be preaching." And I said, absolutely, we want to be able to support that. So today we are, Jimmy and I have been going through this passage together and, um, and talking through that. And God has laid uh, some of the lessons that, that he has been teaching Jimmy uh, on his heart to share with us this morning. So uh, we're going to do a bit of a tag team thing. Uh, we're going to get started and, and have a look at the passage. And then I'm going to invite Jimmy up to uh, to share what God has been laying on his heart. Um, just very excited to see the way that, that God is working through uh, young people in our congregation. We were talking about that in, in our leadership team meeting, uh, that there are a number of, of uh, young men and women that um, God is stirring in their hearts and, and calling them to uh, greater depths of relationship and trust in Him. Uh, we have... Uh, a number we just heard, um, uh, um, well, uh, Olivia and, and Alex Ortwine. Yeah, Isaiah. I was going to say Isaiah Ortwine. Alex is uh, working working at, at another camp, but they're at Imidine. Uh My son Joshua is working at Timberline Ranch in uh, Maple Ridge at a, a Bible camp there. And uh, all these things are going on, and we just need to continue to pray that God would stir up in our young people's hearts, and that that He would um, help us to find ways to empower them to to take on those new responsibilities and and to allow God to stretch them in those different ways. So, uh, let's just start in with a word of prayer here before we get into God's word. What a blessing, Lord, that you have uh, you have been speaking to the young people in our midst. That you have been um, moving in their hearts and and taking them to a a deeper place of dependence on you. Uh, that you have been uh, fanning the flame within them a desire to. Uh, to serve you in greater degrees, um, to to be used by you to serve the needs of other people, to proclaim your good news to those who are lost and those who need to walk closer with you. Um, we just pray, God, that you would put your um, hand of protection on them. We know that uh, that when your children start waving that banner higher and higher, uh, that they can become a target. And we just pray for your uh, supernatural protection on their lives, uh, that you would strengthen them and prepare them for those attacks that would come, and, and that through the power of your Spirit, they would be able to stand in the face of those attacks, God. And that this generation uh, would not be the generation that would uh, slowly slip away into apathy or, 
or in in a, a statement of rejection turn their back on you altogether, but instead that this would be a generation that would step up, that would walk in uh, deeper and tighter, that, that would uh, proclaim more clearly your truth to a world that desperately needs to know you. So this morning, Lord, as we look at your word, we look at your... Um, your message for us this morning and we listen to the way that you have been speaking into Jimmy's life and and moving in his heart. Lord, I pray that um, that you would speak clearly. Uh, that this would be more than just a, a, a moment of of, uh, of, of uh, pride to see this young man growing in, in you. But Lord, that, that we would be ready to hear what You are saying to us through Him. And we would walk away from here changed people. For all of those camps uh, that are at work right now, uh, these young lives that are coming for fun, but also to learn of You, God, we just pray for Your Spirit to speak clearly there, to move in powerful ways in their lives, to, uh, to raise up this generation as godly men and women dedicated to following and serving you. So we look forward to what you're going to do here in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I don't want to make a big deal of it, but Satan does want to try and distract and discourage um, this morning we got here and this piano, <laughs> for some reason, had about half a dozen notes that it would play really loudly and everything else was really quiet. And it was really awkward and had no idea how to fix that. And we went over there and prayed for a while and came back and Shirley started playing and she, it's working. Um, but Satan wants to try and, and pull us away and distract us from the truth. Um, God won't let that happen. So we are in John chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, let me encourage you to open them up to the Gospel of John chapter 9. We have been going through uh, a series uh, that's looking at this Gospel, all of the things that Jesus is trying to communicate to us uh, through His Word. And, and um, this, is, uh, this is one of those... Amazing stories. One of the things that we have heard uh, throughout John is that uh, John was pointing out and emphasizing different signs that Jesus was accomplishing. The other Gospels usually refer to them as miracles. Um, acts of healing power. And, and, uh, but John is, is careful to point out that these acts of power, these miracles, are intended as a sign. A sign of pointing to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Um, the people who, who, who were receiving these signs didn't always buy into what that was saying. And that's what this passage is talking about. It's this wonderful story of a man going from physical blindness to physical sight. Jesus healing him in a powerful way. 
but as much as it is about this physical sight that is being restored, it is also probably more importantly about spiritual blindness. And those who, who, who are open to being healed by Christ of that spiritual blindness, to be able to see the truth, and those who adamantly refuse to allow their eyes to be open to see the truth. So let's start reading in verse 1. As they passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or, or was it his parents that he was born blind? Just a quick little interjection there of the cultural understanding of this. The Jews had come to this place of understanding that if a person was born blind, there was a significant amount of sin that happened, either in the parent's life, that somehow in that, in, in the time that the mother or the father, the mother was carrying this child in, inside of her, that she sinned so grievously that the child was forever impacted, forever changed by that sin. Or perhaps the child, while still in its mother's womb, allowed Satan to, to push it to a place of great anger or, or some other kind of terrible sin that that child uh, uh, performed there within the womb and so brought upon itself some curse that would last forever. And one of the things that we will read as we go through the, the rest of this chapter is as far as anyone could remember, a child that was born blind could never be healed. In fact, when you read the, the Jewish writings, the, the writings of the rabbis uh, that, that, that came before Jesus, um, they had developed this tradition, these traditions about miracles that only the Messiah would be able to perform. And it was these special signs that, that would help the Jewish people recognize who the Messiah was when He arrived. Uh, you won't find those in Scripture necessarily, um, but it was a lot of it was based on Scripture. One of the things was being able to heal a leper, a Jewish leper, to heal them from leprosy. And we, when we read through uh, the, the Pentateuch, we read through the first five books, the law of everything, there are these sections that talk about leprosy and, and have all of this uh, uh, formula of what they are supposed to go through uh, when, when somebody has leprosy and how they determine whether that person has been healed and, and the priests are actively involved, the high priest is actively involved in the determination of whether this person has truly been healed of leprosy. And yet, from that moment until the time of Christ, never had there been a Jewish person that had been healed of leprosy. The only examples that we have are Miriam. This was prior, Miriam prior to the giving of the law and the living, giving of all of those instructions. You remember when she and Aaron were rebelling and trying to usurp uh, Moses' authority and his role. 
and she was uh, given leprosy and, and God healed her uh, when she repented. Uh, but other than that, once those laws and once those requirements were all given, never had there been a leper that had been healed, a Jewish leper that had been healed of their leprosy. And they would have had record of that because part of the responsibility was they needed to go to the priest to show themselves, to prove that they had been healed. And there was a process. And all of these details were given, but never would they ever used until Jesus came. And you remember, we read the story of Jesus healing the leper. And what was His instructions to the leper? Go and show yourself. He was sending... His messianic calling card to the Jewish leaders and saying, here I am. What are you going to do with me? One of the other signs that, that developed in the Jewish uh, Talmud in the writings of the rabbis was that um, Messiah would be able to heal a man or a person born blind important to remember so they asked Jesus who sinned Jesus responds it was not that this man had sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day night is coming when no work can be done as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus was saying it wasn't because of sin. And, and, and he, was, he was attacking and, and, and uh, dispelling this understanding that, that just because somebody was inflicted with some kind of an illness or some kind of problem in their life, that somehow that was the result of sin. That it was only because of sin that happened in our lives that bad things happened. But instead, He wanted to open up their eyes to show that, that sometimes these things happen in order for God to reveal His glory in the world. There are some hard things about that truth. There are some glorious things about that truth. But that's what Jesus is saying, is this man was born blind in order that God's power, His glory might be displayed for you. And then Jesus goes through the process, and you're probably familiar with the story, uh, where Jesus spits on the dirt in the mud and, and makes the mud with, with that and then covers the man's eyes with this mud says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. And the man obediently follows through. And, and for those of you that have visited uh, uh, the Holy Land, uh, some of you probably have done a tour to the pool of Siloam and there are these rickety stairs, or not rickety stairs, but, but dangerous stairs that go down into the well uh, that this man would have had to navigate at some point and then be able to to wash his eyes in this pool down at the bottom. And as he washed his eyes, suddenly he could see. What an amazing opportunity. Jesus is the light of the world. 
The light is how we are able to see. And Jesus has come into the world to be able to dispel our darkness. And he shows that through this miraculous sign of healing the man who was born blind. Now when this man comes back up and he is interacting and telling all of his friends and neighbors about this amazing miracle, this thing that has happened to him, some of the people didn't believe. They said, this can't be the same guy. This can't be the one that we have seen begging around all the time. It must just look like him. But others said, no, no, it is him. And, and the man affirmed, yes, it is I. So they, they take him to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of the day, uh, to show him. Because, why is that significant? Because no one had ever been healed who was born blind. This was a sign of the Messiah. So they took him to the religious leaders to say, look what has happened to him. And so they asked him, how did this happen? And he tells them the story, and wouldn't you know it, Jesus has once again done a healing on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, get all caught up in the breaking of the law in order to accomplish this wonderful act of love and compassion and freedom. And so they asked the man, what, what happened? And, and, and they then said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But there were others among them. How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was this division about him, a division amongst them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he is the one that opened your eyes? And the man said, he must be a prophet. So this man is starting to understand the significance of what Jesus has done. Um, he's identifying him as a prophet, somebody of significant spiritual power. Uh, but the Pharisees aren't happy with that. And so they go and ask his parents. Uh, they say, is this your son? And was he indeed born blind? Uh, because they want to try and undermine somehow. Surely the Messiah wouldn't do any healing on the Sabbath. That's breaking the law. So this man can't be the Messiah. So perhaps maybe this boy really wasn't born blind. Maybe that something happened to him later on that, uh, that would take away that characteristic, that, that trait of him uh, being born blind and then therefore a sign of the Messiah. Uh, now the parents knew that the Pharisees weren't very happy with Jesus. And, and so they, they were a little reluctant to just come out and, and to be uh, aligned somehow with Jesus. So they said, um, He is our son. Um, he was born blind. But how he got that way, we don't know. But he's old enough. Go talk to him. Don't, don't, pull us into all of this kershmazel. Um, and so the Pharisees go back and they come and ask the man again. Verse 24, So the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God, for we know that this man is a sinner. 
the blind man, the formerly blind man, is getting a little frustrated. He said, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so then they asked him again, how was it that he opened your eyes? And he answered them, I told you this already, uh, and you would not listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? He was starting to get a little sarcastic, a little, a little jab here and there at the Pharisees. And, and to say, you guys are not getting this. Yes, I was born blind. Yes, this man healed me. Put two and two together. What does that mean? But they absolutely were refusing to be open to the idea that Jesus was the Messiah. So they said, uh, you are his disciple, but we, we are disciples of Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And then the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing you do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes now we know that god does not listen to sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of god and does his will god will listen to him never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would try and teach us. And so they cast him out. They continually refused to see. As I said at the beginning, this passage is not so much about physical sight being restored as it is about spiritual blindness. I think there are some characteristics that are pretty standard when people are trapped in spiritual blindness. I think first of all, we see that they lack compassion. That often they are so steeped in their legalistic rules and regulations that they know this is the way things have to be and so if you don't fit in that, it's too bad for you. And they lose their compassion to be able to respond to people who are hurting, who are in need. That's what we see in these Pharisees. Is that It was more important that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath and breaking the law let me clarify that. Not breaking the law. Breaking the tradition that they had developed out of the law. But it was more important that Jesus was going against their traditions than that this man who had been born blind was healed. Even if we forgot about the part about Messiah, just that this man had his sight restored, why wouldn't you celebrate that? Why wouldn't you rejoice about this amazing transformation that has happened within somebody's life? But the rules and regulations became so important that they reject all of the good news. They reject the truth about Messiah. 
another thing that we see that is consistent in spiritual blindness is um, it is a an unwillingness to see the truth when it's right there in front of you. Um, those that are spiritually blind. You can have all of the best arguments laid out in front of them. You can have the facts that totally point to one specific conclusion. And yet they will take all of those same things and say, no, this points to something completely different. If you have ever had conversation with a committed atheist, you will recognize that kind of a trait that even though you have these really clear arguments and, and as science in, uh, helps us understand more and more the, the beauty of the design of our universe that's all around us. And they will even say in their books of these new, uh, new, uh, atheists that, uh, that everything appears to be designed, but we know that it's not. And so they'll even acknowledge that there is all of this evidence that it seems to point in that direction, but because of their commitment to not having an authority over them, not seeing a sovereign God that is over all, that has created all, they come to a completely different conclusion. That's evidence of spiritual blindness, an unwillingness to, to see the truth and to recognize it. And there is this intentional choice not to choose. That's what Jesus is talking about at the end when He interacts with this man. And this man uh, he comes to Him and, it's, and Jesus, uh, this is uh, verse uh, 35, Jesus heard that they had cast Him out and having found Him, uh, He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man answered, And who is He, sir, that I might believe in him Jesus said you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you now and he said Lord I believe this man came to the place where he not only had his physical eyes open but the eyes of his heart his spiritual blindness had been healed as well and he could now see the spiritual truth Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. But those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are you saying we are blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say that we see, your guilt remains. Uh, spiritual blindness is not so much that it is a physical ailment or, or something that is imposed upon people in most cases. In most cases, it is a choice not to see. And that's the judgment that Jesus came to bring. That's one of the reasons why Jesus did so many miracles on the Sabbath was to challenge these people's expectations to see if they would be willing to receive their Messiah 
as he truly was rather than as they expected him to be. But just because somebody is spiritually blind doesn't mean that they necessarily are unable to be healed. I love that connection. I love the way that 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 man born blind relates to our spiritual blindness. Jesus points out there was nothing that this man had done. And in our spiritual blindness, we are spiritually blind not having done anything to necessarily deserve that. We are born into that position of being spiritually blind. But Jesus has come to rescue us from that blindness. And there are those like this man who were so desperate to see who were willing to go through whatever Jesus asked them to do in order to receive their sight. That Jesus then says, I am the light of the world. And He brings healing and they can see. They see the truth. They know who He is. But then there are those that refuse, that are spiritually blind because of a choice that they make. And Jesus' message to them is your guilt remains. We are so blessed that we have a God who is at work in in healing us from the spiritual blindness. And um, Jimmy has an experience that's that's happened to him recently that has allowed him to... um, to receive spiritual sight. And he's going to share with us a little bit about some of the things that Jesus has been doing. Is that thing turned on? Okay. So where I start is uh, I have dealt with anger all my life and dealt with lying to my parents about not getting my way or I broke something or something like that. But so leading up to these past couple of weeks have been I've been feeling not wanted, not comfort. Um just feeling angry altogether. But I was in the hospital a couple couple weeks ago. Um due to anger, due to depression. And I was sitting, I remember everything. I was sitting in this chair, in this big green chair, and the nurse came up to me. My eyes were all blurry and stuff, and came up to me, seeing me crying and stuff, and I, I didn't hear, I, I heard her like mumbling to me. But what I hear was Jesus saying, you're going to be all right. Um, just trust in me, and you're going to have angels swarming around you. And at that point, I saw angels around me. I could see them around me. I could see them comforting me. Um, and that was, that was a big eye-opener for me, just to, just to see Jesus working in my heart, working in my body. Um, 
prior to that, I, I found um, through a group of friends, I found this was, I moved into a, a house that, with a bunch of friends, and I was, they told me I don't need to pay rent. So that was, that was, thought, I thought puzzled about that. I was puzzled. But due, due to that, I was staying there, I was couch surfing, and at that point I knew God was working in me and I, I can't be there anymore. I can't be in that house. It was unsafe for me. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't helping my state of mind and my well-being. But prior to that, I was in the hospital, and it all works out in God's plan. But I, I read my Bible over and over again, and I started praying about what God can do in my heart. And he said to me again and again and again, just trust in me and everything will be all right. So that's, that's where I'm coming to you guys and speaking my, my, um, my mind and sharing my story. So there you guys go. It was a, a verse that you had shared with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to read that? So I I, list, I read this verse mostly every day, and God, when the hospital in the hospital, Jesus um, Jesus told told me this verse, and just I hold I. I um I read this verse and I'm gonna read it again to you guys. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For for the for the anger of man does not proceed the righteousness that God requires. So I I love that verse inside and out. Um, I study that verse. I pray to God, what does that mean to me? And God's teaching me the way to trust in Him. Mm. So that's cool. Yeah, awesome. That's great, Jimmy. Uh, it is Yeah, just so, uh, so good to see the way that, that God came to you in, in that point of spiritual blindness. Um, and and through through his ministering angels opened up your eyes to be able to see and and uh, what was that that you said to the nurse uh, as as uh, you were there in the hospital? Um, do you remember? Uh, I said to the nurse, I said to the nurse um, that I've been saved. Um, understand my background and everything, um, but I I said over and over again, Jesus has saved me, um, and and 
I was I was in tears when I said that, and she I was on my hands and knees thanking God that I've been saved, and that was that was impacted my life. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's that is uh, evidence of of God's healing power in in taking us from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight, and. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I thought would be good to talk about is how do we guard ourselves from that spiritual blindness? What are the ways that, that, that we keep from allowing ourselves getting caught back into those patterns of spiritual blindness? Um, I think, first of all, it, it starts with that heart of compassion. And that's one thing that, that we certainly see in Jimmy's life, in, in his desire to to care for others. You know, ever since we've known Jimmy, he's just been a very caring kid. Um, has struggles with anger at times and, and lashes out. Uh, but, but so often in Sunday school, I know that's one of the things that Denise says that, uh, she loved when Jimmy came into class because, um, if anybody was out of line, Jimmy would just give them the glare and they would quiet right down. And he was just so interested. He wanted to hear what God was saying through through Denise and and he has just such a tender heart and didn't want anybody else to be interrupting because Denise was trying to say something and uh, that's just the kind of guy that he is and and having that kind of heart for compassion uh, not not bound by rules and policies uh, you know we had had an opportunity to go there's a bunch of us that went out to that unplanned movie uh, on Saturday uh, on Saturday night Friday night Friday night we went and then uh, met and talked afterwards and kind of debriefed what, what we saw and, and what was experienced there and, and just talked about the importance of compassion. One of the early scenes, there are two different groups that are protesting outside of, out of the abortion clinic. And one, there's a group that is just there praying. The other one, they're dressed up with Grim Reaper and thumping Bibles and all the rest of that kind of foolishness and, and yelling at, pe at people, at baby killers and all those kinds of things. Um, it was the group that was praying that had the significant impact. And one of the things they actually shared, uh, what the, the, um, the lady who was the former director, um, I don't think this is giving it too much away from the movie, uh, but she said, Planned Parenthood notices when there is a group outside the gate praying, their no-show rate goes up to 70% that day. Um, prayer makes a difference. And showing that act of love, not in a condemning, not in a in an angry way, but but to come alongside somebody and say, I know what you're going through. Jesus has hope, he has life, he has promise for you. Makes a difference. Um so we need to focus on on compassion. We need to live our lives with open hands. When Jesus comes and shows us something that is different than our expectations, we need to be willing to give up those expectations uh, so that we follow what He is leading, what He is saying in our lives. Uh, we need to choose to see. 
We need to allow His Spirit to work in our hearts so that, that we aren't trapped by this anger that, that says, no, I don't want to see. I can see well enough on my own, but a humility to say, I am blind and I need help. And asking for Jesus to lead and guide us in that moment. Um, the wonderful promise out of this passage is Jesus saying, uh, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus wants to be the light in your life. He wants to help pierce the blindness that holds you back from doing the things that He is calling you to do. Um, he wants to set you free so that you can be uh, living in the, the beauty of His light and walking in the things that He leads and guides you in. And... Um, we need to continue to be praying for each other, praying for for Jimmy as he continues off on this on this journey of of allowing God's light to shine into his life and to to walk with that kind of uh, spiritual sight that sees God as He truly is. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, thank you for your love. We know what love is because You have loved us. Lord, I pray that, that we as Your people would clearly live out that love in our own lives, in our own relationships. That we wouldn't be trapped by legalistic expectations and, and demands of people that they live up to our standards, but instead we reach out to them and love Your love and help them to discover the light of Your truth in their lives. Lord, we pray that You would be working in our lives so that we can uh, choose sight, that we can humbly recognize the blindness that we have and to look to You and ask You to come and bring that healing into our lives. Lord, we give You all of the glory. We know that this isn't something that we can do of ourselves, but instead it is what Your Spirit does within us. And so today, once again, we open up ourselves to be touched, to be healed by You, by, you, by Your Spirit in our lives. Let your light come and fill up our lives and in our sight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.